0: Those sitting around that table, uh, Sakina, want to make sure that any action that the Global body takes is one that will confirm their long-standing interest in the Middle East and as well as in global politics. The reality of the matter is that everybody knows that there is a need for a ceasefire agreement. But the terms in which that ceasefire agreement will be executed needs to make sure that, amongst others, those in the Security Council continue to wield some hold over the functioning of the United Nations. You would have uh, read and seen in the last uh, couple of weeks, how various United Nations systems organizations responsible for human rights, responsible for food uh, security, for humanitarian uh, and, and, and displacement as well as um, refugees, have called upon the global body to take the necessary urgent actions. But their calls have fallen into deaf ears as, of course, the members of the Security Council will continue to look at this particular international global body as just simply another platform through which to extend the narrow interest.
1: So what is the way forward then in that regard? Because it does once again dredge up those conversations about what should happen, the sort of reforms that perhaps the United Nations Security Council in particular needs to undergo.
0: I agree with the idea of reforming the decision-making structures of the United Nations. But I think over the last 20 years or so, especially with South Africa part of the conversation, I think many of us who have been observers of how this global body executes its mandate or at least it's at the expectations of the of the of of humanity we are coming to a realization that having countries from the global south join the elitist club of decision-making in the form of the security council does not necessarily change what this body can do and should be able to do in terms of meeting the expectations of humanity I think when we're talking about United Nations reform we need to go beyond just simply who sits at that exclusive table and can take decisions or whether they've got a veto or not What we need to be looking at is the financing of this particular entity because it is at the financing level that you get to see how countries actually dictate which priorities UN system organization take. Ask yourself this question, Sakina. Why is uh, uh, Secretary Anthony Blinken in, in Japan? The easy answer is that that's the G7.
1: But if we look at uh, South Africa and and also voices from elsewhere, it it, it seems almost um, ludicrous when you into people talk about this conflict, this war, as if it is something that started on the seventh of uh, October.
0: That's correct. I mean, it is incorrect, but it is disingenuous as well, Sakina. Because the reality of the matter is that everybody who is calling for a rational debate, everybody who is calling upon um, non-reversal to October 6th, is, is is not telling the truth. The reality of the matter is that all of us know what needs to happen. And as you rightly pointed out, there are voices outside of the mainstream, from South Africa and elsewhere in the world, that are actually posing a very important challenge, which is to say, beyond the diplomacy, diploma of the United Nations, what is being done regionally and domestically between Israelis and Palestinians. At this point in time, we have to acknowledge that what the U.S. has attempted to do is not only to hijack the debate, but it is to infuse its preferences in its regional diplomacy, as we saw with Anthony Blinken, touring the Middle East. We are seeing it now going to the G7. So they they are building a case which we are not seeing South Africa and other voices building in order to make sure that we're not only responding to the immediate challenges, but we're also working to address the causes, systemic and otherwise, that have led to this madness and bloodshed we've seen.
1: So speaking of South Africa, uh, South Africa has recalled its uh, its diplomats from uh, Tel Aviv. And this is also, you know, um, uh, there has been mixed reaction to it, should I say, even here at home. What do you make of that, Gwezi? Uh, Should South Africa consider breaking all diplomatic ties with Israel? And if so, what would the cost of that sort of move be?
0: things sakina um, i listened to the debate in parliament yesterday and i was alarmed by how much people who are our representatives do not even read uh, where they need to be reading in order to have an understanding of what is going on two things have occurred that have almost alarmed the south african bureaucracy so to speak two well, number one sorry is the fact that south africa is complaining that the israeli government is pushing down the repatriation of south africans that are stuck in the madness of war that is taking place number two uh, Israel bombed, and there's proof of this one, they bombed uh, Al-Quds hospital. Now, what many South Africans don't know is that this is one of the areas where South Africa has continued to render humanitarian diplomatic assistance to Hamas during... To- years of the the blockade, whereby we actually, South Africa, that is paid for for a specialized unit to help women and children who are affected by the effects of the blockade. Now, definitely any country worth its salt would actually now want to say, one, our citizens, are they safe? Two, are the investments that we have made in any way being protected by the bilateral diplomatic framework? When these two things don't happen, you then recall your ambassador, not to only indicate the seriousness of the matter, but to hear from themselves how best to advance your bilateral diplomatic
1: relationship. Kwezi Mkwebisa is a research fellow at the Centre for African Diplomacy and Leadership at the University of Johannesburg. And uh, he was just giving us uh, some analysis on what is currently happening in the Middle East.
0: You can find SAFM Current Affairs on 104 to 107 nationwide.